Hello, my name is Philip Miraton, and today we are going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. Now, as I've said in the past, a purpose of this show is to bring the big ideas down to earth, but it's also intended to bring new ideas into the living room. So today we're going to do a little bit of both. If someone asks you what is the most e famous equation of all time, most of us would probably scratch our head and wondering what this is up to, what someone's up to, but most of us know the formula E equals MC squared. And Einstein, we may remember, made this equation famous. And the atomic bomb made it famous because the E stands for energy, the M for mass, and C is the speed of light. So what this formula says, among other things, is that what we perceive as matter is really energy. And that's all fine and good. It may be nice for people like Einstein, but what does it mean for us? Well, one thing it means for us is our bodies are, are apparently made of matter, and if that's true, if the E equals mc squared is true, then that means our bodies are really energy. So if we take this to the world of medicine, where all these big ideas start meeting a whole lot for us, because in medicine we see that health and our lives become of central importance, we find that modern medicine, the modern medical paradigm, does not treat the body as an energy field, rather exactly the opposite. It treats the body like a machine, where we have to replace worn parts, oil squeaky joints, and cut unwanted parts out of the body. But there's another paradigm rising on the horizon, and this is the energy paradigm. So the title of this show is today is Energy Healing in the 21st Century and I'm really happy to have on the show Stephen Lewis who is the developer of the AIM program of energetic balancing and co-author of the book Sanctuary The Path to Consciousness. Now after decades of extensive study and practice in the healing arts and quantum mechanics Stephen closed his, his private practice in 1998 to launch EMC Squared, which stands for the Energetic Matrix Church of Consciousness, and his spiritual holographic self-healing technology that helps nearly 60,000 worldwide heal the energetic causes behind their disease potentials 24-7 as they lead their busy lives. And while he continues expanding the AIM program, he also does a weekly radio show entitled Everything is Energy and writes a number of articles 
and blogs and all sorts of things on healing, such as Deconstructing, Reconstructing Humpty Dumpty. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Philip. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's well. We are we are going to today try to apply some of these new concepts that people talk about: consciousness, energy, spirituality, and and what you do, and what we're going to try to do on this show is to bring these concepts front and center for us all. And and you've been doing this. Well, you know, it's it's kind of funny because. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and what you've been doing is, is, I think, bringing the future to the present and using this energy field concept to promote healing. And so what I'd like to do right now is to let you draw the big picture for a moment and tell the listener what, what this energy healing is all about. Well, very simply, I'm also bringing the past to the present because... Healing is as old as humanity, and it's always been there, always been done. And I make a distinction between healing and treating, between healing and curing is a big, big difference. Healing is something you do for yourself, to yourself, as opposed to treating, which is done to you. Uh, Also, the, the difference is there are many things that, given our current technology, cannot be effectively treated. There is no limitation to healing. Anything can be healed. If you pick up a journal, the New England Journal of Medicine, you'll read about an inexplicable healing, spontaneous remission, whatever it may be. Healing is very simply the result of you removing negative uh, frequencies from your consciousness. You do that with the imposition of different higher frequencies, if you will. Um, because you, you're speaking of energy, Philip, and yet the, the funny thing is, there's nothing you can say about energy. E does equal MC squared, obviously, that's our homage to Einstein, but um, you can't, it has no property, it has no taste, no smell, no nothing. And we live in a finite material world where things have taste, smell, consequences, if you will. What gives this wave of energy its particulate status? That is consciousness, and hence the title, The Path to Consciousness. Okay, well, let me, let me just uh, step back for a second here. And you started off in, in orthodox medicine, is that correct? Yes. And and so, and so you were what 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 type of medicine did you practice? Uh, my my practice was was general, although most of my work was in alternative medicine. It was in acupuncture and it was in uh, herbology. I was guided toward energetic practice. It's always been energetics. Uh, I was never interested in anything else. But this is a this is beyond uh, energetics. And, uh, but, I, yeah, I, I, it's, it's always been... Well, let me just interrupt you for a moment, if I can. Well, I grew up, I was told, son, do what you got to do quickly. I was kind of a prodigy, because we don't live long. Well, when you're told that, when you're a kid, either you're going to just roll over and say the hell with it, or you're going to say, yeah, well, and then try and fight it and do something about it. 
I chose the latter, and I understood very quickly whatever answer there was was in some other alternate realm, and that's part of what guided me toward all this. And, uh, I quickly became involved in the idea of healing, in reading medical journals. I would read about inexplicable, as I said, healings. And so that was all that I am interested in, and I realized, well, what, I said, fine, is healing. What is healing? That's a very simple question. What is it? It's not a relevant question if you're asking about a paper cut. But if you're asking about the frequency, about uh, heart disease, or cancer, or whatever, or MS, uh, changing from being positive to being negative, it's a relevant question. Well, one of the, one of the break... Well, one of the breakthroughs that I think that you're making is that in the, in the Western medical paradigm, we tend to associate diseases, which we put names on, little labels, such as cancer. We tend to associate those names with some disarrangement in the body. Some, some, whether it's an unwanted uh, number of, of a certain kind of cell, an unwanted type of organism or cell, but we're always looking for a material component, a counterpart, to be associated with the disease. You're doing something a lot different, right? You, you, you are looking uh, yes for... Yes and no. I mean, I have no objection. I know oh, the name. Giving a disease a name. If you have, if you go to a physician, you're diagnosed with cancer, and you saw an energetic uh, a healer, if you will. First of all, healers don't heal you. They help you heal yourself. But if you said that, I have, I've been told I have cancer. There's nothing wrong with making that statement. Because cancer, like anything else, can be healed, but only you can heal it. Although only you can heal things, Philip. There's a lot of help available to you in that process of healing, and that's not, uh, you know, that's not semantics. It's real. So, so how how would you, uh, how would you put like things like the placebo effect into the picture, where 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 a where a, a fake drug uh, leads to healing? Where does that uh, fit into your picture? Very simply, once you believe you can heal. You have taken a very significant initial step in the process of healing. That is, look, there is, we've reached a point where there is a coalescence between science and spirituality. And um, every healing master has mentioned this coalescence. People like, you know, like Jesus Christ, who is one of the great healers of all time, said things like, when speaking about his, quote, miracles, unquote, you could do better stuff than this if you had the faith of a mustard seed. I don't know much about mustard seeds, but it doesn't sound like much. <laughs> so, but that's the point. That Now, given whatever provocation is necessary, if you begin to believe in your healing, that in itself will provide the impetus you to commence to heal, and we are built to heal. This is something that is ancient. We, again, it's not new. We just have forgotten. Well, I think I think you're I think what you're saying, and it's something very powerful, which is, and correct me if I'm wrong, that even if 
you take, if somebody takes a new wonder drug that, say, uh, cures a rash, if, if the person taking the drug doesn't believe that the drug will work, doesn't have the energy to heal him or herself, the drug itself is not going to do it for them. Is well, drugs do not heal. Okay. They hopefully, and that's a good thing, they hopefully cure. Healing comes from you. Okay. The act of doing something that you believe will remove an imbalance. Let's use a, a more generic term. The act of you taking something that you believe will remove an imbalance, that's the first positive step. Not believing it will be effective, that's called strike one. Um, because, and this is not, you know, faith healing. It's simply that Faith is a healing phenomenon. And that's one of the great arguments for spirituality or religion. It is indeed a healing phenomenon. Uh, um, many of these, there are a lot of charlatans and fake healings around, but there are legitimate real healings every day in our lives. You read about them, you hear about them, and they're real. And so you cannot stand up uh, on some kind of academic or scientific platform and say, well, that's just this or that. Faith is part of healing. It simply is. If you don't like it, well, you're free not to like it. I don't mean you, obviously, Philip. If one doesn't like it, you're free not to like it, but it's real. Well, um, it's, so it, that's my answer to, what, to that comment. Well, it's, it's interesting because in my own research on the placebo effect, and I forget what... Uh, what article or whatever I was I was looking at, but but the author of this research paper on the placebo effect in history said something like, well, according according to modern medicine, since only the the FDA approved drugs are really supposed to cure these diseases, then any cure that worked in the past must have been due to the placebo effect. And I was always struck by that because 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 it's it's saying that over time the the cures have changed, but unless the patient buys in to the cure, the the healing process is not really going to work too well. Healing and curing are totally different phenomena. Now, um and they are, and they may be, and they may coincide. You know, someone who is a healer. What is healing? Healing is something that you do. Once again, um, and you can heal anything. What does a healer do? He changes your consciousness to help you heal more readily, more effectively. But it's it's a misnomer. They don't heal you. They help you heal more effectively. That's what healers do. Now, if you take a drug, you are trying to, you're applying something from the external means. You're trying to either, uh, classically, you either poison the demon, or you're going to burn it out, or you're going to cut it out. Well, now we don't do those things. We have surgery, chemo, and radiation. Nothing's changed. Right. But that is applying um, curing techniques as opposed to healing. All healing is energetic. All healing occurs 
Nothing occurs in your body initially. It occurs in your consciousness. You heal something with your consciousness in your consciousness. Your DNA just tags along. As a matter of fact, I, we use a holographic technology. Now, that's not a new idea. Uh, again, it's not. What's new about it, and not that new, by the way, is we don't use a drop of your blood or a lock of your hair, which is to say your DNA. It certainly does contain DNA. But it, it, it's, I, you know, I'm pretty good at this stuff, but I, if I look at a drop of blood, number one, all I see is a rust spot. Number two, whose rust spot is it? I can't tell yours from mine. I'm not that good. But if I use, look at your picture and look at mine, I can tell right away, hey, that guy there, that's Philip. That ain't me. I mean, and I'm being facetious to an extent, but not entirely. Um, but then you can say that the, the photograph doesn't contain any DNA. Bingo, you're right. Your body, it does not require it. The whole, your hologram is contingent and dependent upon your intention. Anything unique to you, whether it contains your DNA or not, is you holographically. That's why the Shroud of Turin has become an object of religious uh, awe and wonder, although it certainly did not contain the DNA of Jesus Christ. But it's that same thing. It was the intention that dictated it. And that's what we use. We use photographs. So how did I get here? I forget. Well, I think I think that what I what I what I'm trying to do, and 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 this, and I think you could help us uh, sort of make this transition, is that you started off in in more mainstream uh, medicine with an interest in alternative healing, and at some point, I, I assume, and I like you to talk about it, you realized that this whole business is about energy or about consciousness. And then you focused your efforts on on consciousness and energy imbalances. Is that what happened? Well, yes. But remember, my primary field was subtle energy physics, and my my the two greatest influences on me were two men, Niels uh, Bohr and David Bohm, and their field was the physics of consciousness. And all the experiments and all the examples that applied to their work were indelibly imprinted upon me. I mean, just like the uh, the experiments with people who have multiple personality disorders. Are you familiar with them? Right. Yes. In a nutshell, you know, they change their personalities. They change everything about themselves physically, which demonstrably in a lab test. Hell, they change their eye color. That is certainly DNA. You know, there's, right. there's no stretch there. Uh, and when asked why they, they, they have, and there were also people who, for one reason or another, just were pretty healthy. They didn't get sick. When asked why, they said they had someone watch over them. Whenever something negative entered their uh, their orb, if you will, call it what you want, uh, they would focus one of their people on it and focus on healing it until it was gone. Well, you know, when you're a lot of people, you got plenty of time. Uh, that's a good thing. However, there is some information available there. And then you take it in any, in any direction you want. People who are told, look, I'm very sorry, sir, but you're just, 
is terminal cancer, get your affairs in order, you've got a three-month, three month, whatever it may be, and seven, eight, nine years later, they're fine. This is a routine story in medicine. You know, you know that, I'm sure. Right. It's not the rule, but it's routine. There's a, there's a difference. Uh, and you look and see what has happened. You understand that there is this phenomenon called healing. What I wanted to know very simply is, what is the technology of healing? How do you apply science to spirituality and vice versa? Because they should coexist. And that's why this work is called a spiritual technology. There's a, there is something demonstrable that happens when a guy passes that three-month period and now it's five or eight years later and he's fine, he's playing tennis, and the doctor's dead. Something measurable has occurred. That is the basis of what my work is, has been, and will be. And right and now, was, and right now, folks, this is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're talking to Stephen Lewis, the author, the co-author of the book Sanctuary: The Path to Consciousness, and the founder of EMC Squared, the Energetic Matrix Church of Consciousness. And we're talking about developments in energy healing and how we could all benefit from this new approach to health. Now, Stephen, this is this is really really good because you're starting to get to the point now where where it becomes exciting because you're talking about overcoming these barriers that a lot of people have which is that once they have a quote-unquote disease they're doomed and if, and if and if and if the and if the modern western drugs don't work if the chemo doesn't work then the game is over and 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 maybe you could address that a little bit some of some of the sure. some of the people that you've helped i know in your book you talk about jane but but why don't you talk a little bit about about how you sort of overcame the, the, a, many patients like resistance to even to being uh, healed of something that medicine would say would be incurable. Well, yeah, sure, I'll try and address with Philip. But you know, first of all, Jane, there's twenty five thousand genes at least. But I, I have, I don't address it with with patients or with aim participants. Very simply. Um, I see myself as fundamentally a messenger. And not in any big mystical, metaphysical sense. I am simply not a messenger. I've got a message to deliver. And if, if I do so, if you hear it, fine. I move on. i got a message to deliver to somebody else. You know, I don't want to shroud this in some kind of uh, oblique mysticism. Right, good. Now, once you get the message... What you do with and about that message is your business, not mine. Um, I, many people are on the AIM program and have had unbelievable results because you can heal anything. And they didn't begin until a year or two, three years, five years after they heard, after they you know, first heard about it. And at some point in time, they said, wait, I get it. This makes sense. That may have taken years or it may have happened immediately. With guys like uh, Wayne Dyer, Michael Beckwith, they heard it and said, right, I got it, and they understood immediately. Um, 
most intellectual types aren't that rapid because they don't trust their instinct. And they just are guided by their minds. But uh, as far as people accepting it, understand, I was brought up the way you were, Philip. I was told that basically you've got to get lucky. And if you get unlucky and if some bad thing happens, you go to somebody who can fix it. If he can't fix it, you're in deep whatever. And that's was brought, we were all brought up that same way. The idea of being in, of our power, being empowered, was never even addressed. Would have been considered weird back in South Philadelphia where I grew up. Would have, beyond weird, right? Study. <laughs> um, and yet, it's an absolute truth. And there are huge parts of the world where, let's take Oriental medicine. That concept is fundamental. I mean, look at the, you know, the, the, the doctors in ancient China were only paid by you if you, if you didn't get sick. I, I, I guess what I'm wondering, and, and we, you know, there, there is a lot of, of uh, precedent, historic uh, tradition for energy healing. As, you know, uh, you just mentioned the Chinese healing arts. But then, then there was, I think it was about the 19th century, there was this whole movement about vitalism, a life force. How, how, much, how much of your practice really makes use of a life force? Is, is All that, of it. Okay, so, so you think, so, so this is based upon everybody having an uh, inherent life force. Right? Is that is that right? Everybody has a life force, and the and the key is to let the life force uh, sh- shine or or let it out. No, not out. It's it's a question of just how powerful, how strong is your life force. Now, look, I use the term life force in my work. That's because I was born in the United States. I speak English, and I prefer to not use some term that has meaning in a different language entirely. I mean, I could say chi. One of my my degrees is in acupuncture, okay? So I could say that. I could speak of prana. I could switch as, you know, completely and speak of Christ consciousness, if you will. Uh, There are so many names to the idea of energy. It's all the same thing. Energy is energy call it what you will. I mean, it still amazes me that people have arguments about what God's name is. He doesn't need a name, doesn't need a social security number, but it's, so it's the same thing. We, I use the term life force which to measure the degree of your healing power. And it is measurable by me energetically. This is my, this is one of my contributions my few contributions to an enormous field. I stand on the shoulders of giants. I've done a few things, and, and I'm proud to say I've added to that, but the bulk of what I, of my work is based upon the work of, of those who preceded me. Years Bohr, David Bohm, so many, Hahnemann. Well, and, uh, yeah, and, yeah, and, and, just, and, and, just, and just for the listener, David Bohm was a quantum physicist in the 20th century, that was famous for a uh, hol- uh, a holistic or a holographic uh, approach to interpreting um, quantum theory, and of course, quantum theory is the 
is the system, or actually it's the leading theory of modern physics that says that at the root of, of, uh, of reality are not little particles, but are really bundles of energy. That's one way to put it. There's all sorts of different ways to put it. But I, I like to, I like to uh, focus on something here for a second, which is that, you know, we started off, I started off by talking about Einstein's equation. And we all know that in modern science, there's all these fields. There's the Higgs field, electrical field, magnetic field, quantum fields. And, but all of these fields are, are perceived as being outside of us. And I, I'm getting the sense, and I, th I hope this is true, and I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm, if I'm not right, but that the, the energy, the energy you're talking about, is really an internal energy. It's, well, it's, I think you've answered it yourself, Philip, by speaking about the holographic principle. And by the way, that, uh, that, that's a term, it's a buzzword, holographic principle. But I mean, it's just a language, the idea, the concept. How new is the concept of the holographic principle, that we are all holograms within holograms within holograms? You and I are a hologram. You and I and the audience are a larger one, and et cetera, et cetera, ad nauseum until the ultimate hologram is everyone. Fair enough? That's the holographic Right. Well, right. right. how, how does that diverge from Buddha speaking about being in the oneness? Now, he didn't use the word hologram, but I do think that he would have gotten the whole thing. I mean, it's the same. It's not a new concept, is my point. The language, the language changes periodically, just like life forces in my vocabulary replacing, replacing chi or prana. But it's not a new concept at all. Is, it addresses exactly that. And I speak about... Uh, it in the same sense as uh, my beloved Saint David Bohm, you know, I mean, uh, who who spoke about simply that concept. Well, let me see if I can find the words for it. We're short of time here. Um, he spoke about this principle of uh, the, the hologram. No, I no, I was going to say, I, in, in, terms of, in terms of this coalescence between science and spirituality, I, I, I want to uh, close this point off because this particular merging of science and spirituality, I think, is the number one most exciting thing of our time. And it's something, I concur completely. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's something that on this show I, I am trying to bring into the living rooms and into the headphones and into the podcast because it's something that is going to uh, shake things up in, in a real way because we're starting to see that science, uh, when done objectively, is starting to prove the truth of many of the old uh, truths of spirituality and so th so from from that little uh, snippet what where I'm going with this is that the energy field from modern science we we picture these fields outside of us but but your research it, it, it which which I would agree is a continuation or an evolution of the old school of 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 the of the unity of consciousness 
your research is showing that the field, the energy is coming from inside of us or consciousness and, and that it's this energy that we need to master and I'm using that word, uh, maybe it's the wrong word, but I, that, we, that we have to master in order to heal ourselves. And, and, and that's what makes it exciting because the e equals mc squared can really maybe be a metaphor for what we're talking about. It, it's it's the, the, the same principle that Einstein spoke about, about energy being equivalent to mass is something that has a powerful truth in the healing arts. That's, that's, that's the way I look at it. All right, first of all, let's try and tie a few things together if we can. Our brief, uh, you, sp you, you spoke about the holographic universe, and you spoke about, you know, um, David Bohm. And the, the link is not energy, but it is consciousness. Energy, everything is energy. There's nothing you can say about energy except that it is. It has no property. Consciousness dictates what makes the wave particulate. It is consciousness that dictates that. Now, so what is consciousness? Consciousness goes right back to the holographic principle because it is the degree to which you perceive your interaction and your connection to everyone and everything in the entire universe, which is a way of saying being in the oneness, or being part of the whole of the great hologram, or perceiving the holographic principle, you know. And what you just addressed a moment ago, Philip, this is what the old paradigm of town versus gown, science versus spirituality, no longer exists. Because that's why uh, Einstein and Albert Schweitzer were so close. Why David Bohm and Krishnamurti were, and, and in a far, far lesser sense, when uh, I met, and I don't know if you know the guy, a guy named Michael Beckwith. You know Michael? No, I don't. Uh, he started a church called Agape, about 50,000 members. That's pretty big. Um, and he was in the book, you know, uh, The Secret, the movie. Uh, when he walked into my office with his entourage, you know, 50,000 members, you have an entourage. <laughs> um, so. He walked in and said, I read your book, and it's a lie. I said, well, uh, you're entitled to that feeling. The door, by the way, is a, uh, revolving. It goes both ways. And, you know, for, and he said, no, no, the book's a lie because you called it a novel, and it's not. I said, ah, hold it, you can stay. Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, but that's the point. You're, you are absolutely correct. This fusion, the perception that the world of science and the world of spirituality are one and the same. It's as if people are approaching an intersection at right angles, but once they meet at that intersection, they then continue on the same pathway. That is what is happening now, and I think that is the impetus for the greatest revolution in human history. And that's happening right here and now. I think that's happening because we have forced its hand. It has to happen. We are, we not being you and I, we're just, you know, reactions. But humanity has forced this, this moment upon us. And so we force the need for a revolution if we wish to continue on the planet. I believe that. 
planet's going to continue. It's fine. The question is not, will the planet make it? It's, will we make it on the planet? That is what creates the need for a revolution. But I'm going a little bit far afield, I think. I'm sorry. No, I no, I like this stuff, and 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 what what is so important is is that the the medical side of this issue, or the healing side of this issue, is what makes it real for people. Maybe maybe a lot of people don't care that much about whether the Big Bang is true, or what quantum physics means, or whether the God particle is anything they should be concerned about, but but knowing that. In, in this field, in this area, there is something that could make us healthy, could make us feel better, could make us live longer. Now, now you'll get people's attention. And because to me, that's what it all comes down to, making it real for each of us, that this revolution, this revolution where we see the convergence of science and spirituality comes right to our front door. From your lips to the public's ear, but right. then you've got a radio program. Oops, so that's a good thing. So, uh, so, so <laughs> I want to I, I want to address something that maybe some listeners are thinking about, and that is uh, this concept of balancing uh, the 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 energy, and and it it implies that there is a correct a a correct energy flow or balance. I may not be using the right word but that there is a correct energy balance and a certain person's energy balance like my own is out of kilter in some in some way what what how do you determine whether some somebody's energy is out of sync i look and see using um the um using the device i developed or perhaps i should say uh, i had revealed to me i think that's a big part of it you know, you take you should take credit for your vision. <laughs> Revelation's a different thing. Um, so I'll take the former. The latter came. I I have uh, an instrument I use, and I can't tell you anything about someone's energy being uh, negative or flawed or imbalanced unless I look and see. I mean, I looked at a picture of you earlier and said, I find these imbalances. Now, for every imbalance, this is why this is, and this is my contribution to the field, finding a way to measure things in consciousness. Uh, and that's, and I'm very proud of that work. But other than that, most of this has existed for, most of it's just for ages. If I find a, an imbalance, whatever that imbalance is, I mean, it doesn't matter what, call it uh, adenocarcinoma, it doesn't matter. There is a con-converging and divergent frequency that will balance it in, once again, in units of consciousness. This is technology brought to spirituality. It will change a frequency. And when it changes it, it will change it in its entirety because it, the imbalance will exist physically. Maybe that's the way you know of it, if you get this hypothetical imbalance. It will change it emotionally. Maybe that's the way you know of it. It will change it spiritually. It will change. These are all, it's all one thing. We only speak of it as having components. It's really one big lump. That balancing frequency will cause it to be healed, to change. Now, who does the change? You. We 
I would say help you heal yourself, but some argue with me, and they're not entirely wrong, that we compel it. Because your hologram, your photograph, will be on a, a huge series of metal trays attached to a massive block of computers generating roughly half a million frequencies every second of every day. Uh, and if you're on, you're on for a minimum of a year. Because it takes that long. I mean, it uh, takes a day for you to heal what you acquired today. If you're talking about the fundamental weakness in you, which is always hereditary, things run in families. It's, everyone knows that. And that may take, before you're finished healing everything, it may take up to a year, roughly. And these frequencies you will focus on. And furthermore, let's say of the half million frequencies generated by... Of that half million, maybe 30 or 40 pertain to you. Excuse me. 30 or 40 pertain to you. you focus on that 30 or 40 and ignore all the others. All the others. Um, that is my other contribution to the field. Because nobody can focus on half a million things. Right. And nobody. If you think 20 moves ahead in chess, you're pretty good. You're right. You can beat me. Right. And I was pretty good. But uh, that is what you do. You focus and you use your consciousness to heal a negative frequency, if we can say they are negative, and I think they are. I think it's like, I can get primitive. It's a bad thing. You have a frequency that no carcinoma, it's a bad frequency. Primitive word, but so what? It works for me. Well, well, this is, this is, what, I'm, this is what I'm trying to, to grasp, is that if, have you associated certain imbalances or frequencies with what other people would call diseases. Absolutely. Okay, okay. And so th there's a okay. distinction because let's say you have this, stick with the same fundamental frequency I mentioned before, adenocarcinoma. That's cancer, okay? Right. Um, if you have this frequency, you may have it hereditarily and then you may have it actively, you may be both. In fact, it will almost always be both. This thing does occur, it's hereditary. But you may have it for 20, 30, 35, 40 years before it's at a point where someone, you can walk into an office, have an x-ray or an MRI, and someone can say, we have found you have adenocarcinoma. Because what it comes down to is this. It is not you having an imbalance. It's you not being at a level of homeostasis with it, either not being able to overcome it or in the case of hereditary imbalances, having it overcome you. And that, Philip, is a function of your life force. When you cannot heal effectively, whatever you have that is fundamentally the architecture of your demise becomes more dominant, assumes a greater role in your life, which is to say your transition. That makes any sense to you. No, I get it. I think I get it. Does this have any corollary to the the Tao, the way? Well, of course. That's just an oriental way uh, of describing um, the pathways of energy, of, of, of physics in oriental terms. 
Right, right. When I was reading uh, your book, it, it that's that's what uh, came to me is is the is the Tao because the Tao as some of us know is and, and and don't and don't ask me if I understand it. All I all I all I all I all I get out of it, and I think it's a really good thing, is that there is a way or a flow uh, under uh, an undercurrent to the universe, and the goal is to get in tune with the way. I mean that that's all that's and, and I I think there's truth to it. By the way, so even though I may I may uh, describe it a little lightly, I agree with with that concept. It's sort of like getting in tune with the world, uh, with the world spirit. And, and that's the way I was reading the book. And what you're saying is that, is, is that there is a way to get in balance. And, and that in, in, in our modern lives, there are so many different forces fighting at us. Social, work, culture, hereditary, nationalities, religion, that we're all out of kilter we're all out of sync and our and i and i don't know what 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 word but is 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 appropriate here but i could see if you translate all all of this into energy frequencies i could see how our energy frequencies would be all over the place i suggest a a different word okay translate into consciousness i'm sorry i'm sorry what into consciousness translate all of this into okay consciousness okay that's fine. That's fine because I'm I'm better off with consciousness, anyways. Because that's that's something that, uh, it, that that term has more. How can I put it? More currency in physics and philosophy, uh, and and uh, medicine as well. So so the idea is is to is to align our consciousness with the the way. With the with the true balance of the universe, is that the idea? Uh, yeah, but that's taking it into almost a metaphysical realm. Okay. Uh, and I don't know that I can find the balancing frequency of the entire universe. I don't know that there is that kind of philosopher's stone. There is that kind of single balancing frequency, that rhythm that we must all you know dance to. I don't know. It sounds like a great idea, but I don't know if that's the case. I do know that there are frequencies in consciousness that cause this or that imbalance in you. And I do know that you can heal them with your consciousness without a doubt. And it's independent of language. There are thousands and thousands of dogs and cats and horses and whatever on the program. All they can say is woof or meow or whatever. <laughs> but they do know if they have the aforementioned adenocarcinoma or heart disease or whatever it may be. They do know it, and they do know how to heal it. And they do need help, just as we do. Because language is just a, a way of describing what is. Right. And this is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're talking with Stephen Lewis, the author, co-author of the book Sanctuary, The Path to Consciousness. And we're about to talk about, I'm about to ask Stephen about immortality because this this is something that, 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 daunt, that uh, sort of interests me with the energy uh, or the consciousness focus. 
and that is if we view ailments, diseases, as not sort of uh, uh, unwanted uh, cells or, or, or disarrangement of bodily parts, but as uh, energy frequency imbalances, I th I th first of all, I think that's much more optimistic than, than treating it as uh, getting some incurable disease. But, but the, the, the natural question is, what does that say, what does your work say about the aging process? And, and, well, about, and, and, and about what, what, the future, what the future might hold for that. Well, aging, I mean, you know, when you get, um, there's anabolic and metabolic and catabolic. Aging is very simply, after a given point, taking another clip, a step closer to transitioning. So everyone understands that. But I wrote this little blurb article called Reconstructing, Deconstructing uh, Humpty Dumpty. And what I postulated was this. If Humpty Dumpty fell off that wall and didn't have any underlying cracks and weaknesses in his shell, he'd have gotten dirty, he'd have gone to a detail shop, gotten cleaned up, been all stiffy again, and been fine. It was the fundamental weaknesses that let him not be able to be put back together again. And... Uh, those fundamental weaknesses are fundamentally hereditary. We come here with these things. And now going back to your question, what if you not just heal everything you've acquired? You kissed the hostess under the mistletoe and you got this tingling in your lip 20 years ago. What if not just what you've acquired, but everything hereditary is healed by you and you have no more hereditary imbalances, which is the norm, the standard, it's inevitable on the AIM program. If that happens, and you, you Humpty Dumpty, take your fall, and you have no weaknesses, where are you going to crack? Crack being a metaphor for, you know, transition. And that's the aging process you asked about. Now, for me to try and give you an answer would be incredibly uh, presumptuous, because I'm a card-carrying geriatric, but I ain't that old. Okay? Right. Uh, you know, in my mid-70s. Now, if I say, oh, I think 150 is easy, I can say anything I want. Uh, however, if I say it when I'm 138 years old, uh, I think you'd be listening a lot more acutely. You see what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. It's all about... Now, right. and so, let's see. I expect anyone on the AIM program to have no fundamental weaknesses. And understand this about these weaknesses. When you are a geriatric, um, your hearing gets bad. You're familiar with that, right, Philip? Uh, but, uh, some but some geriatrics, I don't mean you empirically, but you're, you've seen right, it. Right. Yes. Some geriatrics have great hearing. Problem is they can't see. <laughs> but some geriatrics have very good eyesight. They can't hear a word, though. And some of them are crippled and can't walk. Others move around pretty well, but they've got bad hearts. And what's a... Each of these things is not simply a corollary, corollary of aging, but what this or that individual has. What if you don't have any? Where are you going to crack and break? 
That's the question. Right. I'm not even offering an answer. Right, I'm right. saying that is the million-dollar question, is it not? Right, right. And I completely agree with you. Certain things have to be proven in concrete reality. <laughs> when somebody... Of course. When somebody... Uh, if and when anybody fixes the aging prop process or slows down the aging process or extends the youth process, it's going to be proven. And, and uh, you know, last week uh, I had someone on the show. The show was about uh, how death makes life possible, and she was viewing uh, death as a necessary transition step. You know, and maybe it is, but I think that with with your research it it gives hope that if there is a consciousness or energy foundation to what we are maybe we are in the slow long process of understanding the power of the life force and, and it, it opens up it, you know you said earlier and we talked earlier about the burgeoning of science and spirituality this is what makes it exciting because all of a sudden, and this is me talking here, all of a sudden we have we have a a no holds a unlimited horizon. We have a potential, or I should say, a potentially unlimited horizon, potentially unlimited um, uh, road ahead of us, as opposed to uh, you know disaster and doom uh, that the materialistic paradigm. Uh, poses for us so 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 I I think this is I think this is all I think this is all really good now before we end uh, Stephen why don't you talk a little bit about how people get in touch with you some of the services that you can provide certainly thank you for that uh, the easiest way is to go on the web it's aimprogram.com aimprogram.com if you'd like some information sent to you, no one will ever try and sell you this. You can't sell spirituality, and you shouldn't. But if you want more information, there is a toll-free number, and they'll send it to you, uh, 877-500-3622. That's 877-500-EMCC-3622. Um, and if you want a website, there are countless articles, and a lot of information, and there and, it, and there are links to many many people. Most of, many of you know over here, whether it's Wayne Dyer or Michael Beckwith or whomever, every all over the place. So that's how you can contact us. And uh, yeah, you know, I agree with what you just said before. I know this is closing, but that concept of death, desert of life, is a truism. You can't argue with it. But on the other hand, we are not. Um, Lemmings. They had this social conscience, which consciousness and conscience, which is advanced. The too many of them, they get to the edge of the fjord and dive off. The young, old ones do, and they leaving room for the young ones. Right. We we as humans say, good idea. Go ahead. I got your back. <laughs> I'm right behind you. <laughs> Somewhere in that transition, some credibility is lost. Right. And so, with that thought. Here we are. Take a look at the website, and take a look. At the, you know, and uh, there's all and, and or, or call up and any information you want's available. And thank you very much. And once again, uh, this is Philip Mirton, Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. 
I'd like to thank uh, Stephen Lewis for being with us and really opening our minds to another way to view disease and sickness. As Einstein said, we are really energy. We are really consciousness. And if we focus on healing consciousness, on, he on healing our energy imbalances, we might find a way to truly heal ourselves. Thank you for listening. This is Philip Mirton, Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Meriton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com.